So let's look at Luke chapter 2. And this is the word of God found Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 21. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were the shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They'd made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And on the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight we're going to look at one verse. We're going to look at verse 11. But before we do, let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us tonight with this passage. Let's pray together. Father, oftentimes... um, Praying before a homily or before preaching often can feel like just something that we do, but it's not. We need your help. We need you through your spirit to show up in power in this place this evening. There are those this evening that are sad that need to be comforted. Some this evening are skeptical of Christianity and they need faith. Others are beaten down and discouraged and they need hope. Some are stressed and frazzled and need peace. Still others are weary and exhausted and need strength. And so we ask that you, through your spirit, would give us, each one of us, exactly what we need tonight 
Holy Spirit, come and make this story fresh. Show us the Lord Jesus in a new way that would change us. We ask these things in his name. Amen. 1868, there was a short story by Bret Hart called The Luck of Roaring Camp. And Roaring Camp was the meanest, toughest, baddest town, mining town in all of the West. More murders and thefts. And it it was a terrible place. And it was inhabited entirely by men. Except for one woman. Her name was Cherokee Sal. She died while giving birth to a baby, leaving this baby alone with all of these men. And the men, they took the baby and they placed this baby in a box and put some rags around her. And then they looked and decided that didn't look quite right. And so they sent one of their own, a man, 80 miles to get a rosewood cradle. He brings back the rosewood cradle and they put the rags in the cradle. Then they place this beautiful baby in the cradle with these rags and they said, that still doesn't look right. So they sent another one of their own to Sacramento to get beautiful white lacy blankets to place in the cradle around this baby. And they noticed that the floor was filthy. And the walls were filthy, and the windows were filthy, and it didn't have any curtains in the room. And so these mean, tough men get down and scrub and make this entire room spotless, and they even hang curtains in the room. And now things were starting to look exactly the way they were supposed to look. And of course, there was no more fighting to be had because babies sleep a lot, and you cannot fight or you cannot sleep uh, during a brawl. And so the entire temperature of Roaring Camp went down. They would take this baby in her cradle and set her outside of the entrance of the mines so that she was the first thing that they would see when they came up. And they noticed that it was dirty. And so they planted flowers in a garden next to her cradle and they would place these beautiful stones from the mines in the cradles. And then they saw their hands next to her hands and they realized how filthy they were. And so they went to the general store and got shampoo and soap and cologne and cleaned themselves up. You see the point? Simply put, this baby changed everything. Tonight, we gather to celebrate not a fable. We gather here in this place to celebrate a fact. A baby named Jesus who came into the world 2,000 years ago into a stable. A baby named Jesus who did truly change everything about our hearts and about our lives and about our world. Like the baby at Roaring Camp, When Jesus enters into our lives, he slips into every nook and cranny and crevice and changes us and our lives and our hearts and will one day come and change and renew all things. And this truth is seen very clearly in verse 11. 
Verse 11, we find the greatest birth announcement. If you have your bulletin, you can look with me. The greatest birth announcement. Think about all these gender reveals and birth announcements today, exploding baseballs and golf balls and all of these things. No, it doesn't hold a candle to this birth announcement. The greatest birth announcement in the history of the world was the announcement of Jesus coming into the world, his birth. And tonight I want us to look, I want to, I hope, by the grace of God, to show you Jesus and how, what good news he brings into the world at Christmas. Two things, very briefly. Let's look at why Jesus changes everything, and secondly, who Jesus is for. So why Jesus changes everything. We see uh, three titles Did you notice three titles in verse 11? And those three titles tell us why Jesus changes everything about our hearts and our lives and our world. First title is Savior. At Christmas, the announcement of Jesus' birth is good news for us because it is God's way of saying you cannot save yourself, that humanity could not save themselves, and so God had to come into the world to rescue us And save us. Save us from what, you might ask? Well, from our sin. We sung about it. Think about the children's, uh, what they were saying, why Jesus came. To save us from our sin. Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin, the Bible says, put us at war with God. And so we need peace with God. And Jesus came as Savior and he became poor and was born into a stable so that 30 years later he might hang from a cross. Jesus was born as a baby not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. And that's what he does on the cross. He bears the judgment of God in our place for our sins, and he ends the hostility and brings us peace with God. That's what we're celebrating here this evening. Think about Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Peace on Earth. Mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. That peace, I don't know where you are spiritually tonight, but that peace with God and reconciliation with God is made available to you tonight through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it changes everything. The Bible says that's the mo- that peace is the most fundamental and important peace you can have in your life. Because it's that peace that leads to peace in every other area of of your life. Peace with yourself, peace with other people, and peace with creation. The other title we see in verse 11 is Christ. That means anointed one. Look at verse 4. Jesus is the king, the anointed one. You heard it a couple of times in the passage. In the line of David, all of the Old Testament prophets point forward to a king that would one day come in the line of David. That king is here. That's who we're celebrating tonight. Jesus, the true king, the greater David, who would come and be everything that David should have been but wasn't. And as king, Jesus rules and reigns over the world. And he's always at work in the world, working out his purposes for his glory and for our good. Let me say that again. Jesus is king. He's the true king that rules and reigns over the world. And he's working out his purposes in the world for your good and his glory. 
that will change your life. That one truth changes everything, doesn't it? Especially in a year like 2020. Think about 2020. If we could describe 2020 in a word, we could use the word disruptive. Has your life been disrupted this year? You better believe it. Everything has been turned upside down. If we could likewise describe the Christmas story in a word, you know what we could use? We like to clean the Christmas story up and make it look real cute, but it was very disruptive. It was very disruptive to the people involved. Think about the Christmas story. Mary is a teenager, is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Explain that one. You think that was disruptive to her and Joseph? You think it was disruptive to her family and to her position and relationships within the community? You better believe it. When it came time for Jesus to be born... There was no room in the end, so they got social distance to a barn. (laughs) Can you imagine having your baby in a barn? And when the baby was born, there was no rosewood cradle, not even a cardboard box, but a feeding trough where rotten food was placed for animals to eat. They were teenagers. Think about how frightening that would have been. No family. They were isolated and alone. And then once, if that weren't enough, once Jesus was born, they have to run for their lives. Because Herod wants to kill their baby. Disruptive. Can you imagine? I mean, you want to talk about how we felt this year. You want to talk about feeling afraid and out of control and uncertain and stressed and lonely. They had plans on the way that night would go. And I can assure you... That was not part of the plan. But here's what we need to understand. That that Christmas night, that first Christmas, went exactly according to God's plan. And though their lives were being disrupted, and most certainly they didn't understand and they were confused, it was through the disruption, through this confusion and things they didn't understand, that God was at work orchestrating the greatest and biggest rescue mission that this world had ever known. God coming into the world as a baby in order to save his people from their sin. Think about February of this year. Did you have plans? Yes, we had plans. We had goals of all the things we were going to accomplish and all the fun trips we were going to take and people we were going to see and things we were going to do. And I can assure you, a global pandemic was not in those plans. It was in God's plan. And the same God, the same King who ruled and reigned over that first Christmas and over those disruptions is still on his throne, and he is king over this Christmas in 2020. Different disruption, same king. And you know why I say that? Because we often want to think God's at work when everything is going according to our plans. Friends, God's always at work. He's the true king. He's the Christ And he is working out his purposes in the world. And so you know what that means? We can trust him. 
We can trust him in the middle of the disruptions of our lives. Last title we see is the Lord. So very clearly we, hear, we have an assertion and title of deity. Jesus is God in the flesh. He claimed that, made that claim about himself, and others that knew him best also said he was God in the flesh. God with skin on. And that changes everything, doesn't it? Because think about it. God puts on skin and comes down into this world. That changes everything because here's what it means. It means God knows your weakness. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to suffer. And that means that Jesus, through his spirit, has the power to comfort you in your suffering and pain because he's been there and he knows what it's like. Think about your suffering and pain. And think about when you're in that place, when someone who loves you comes and they just sit with you put their arm around you, maybe cry with you. They don't even really say anything. But they're just present with you in your pain. What does that do to you? It's healing. You feel better as a result of them being with you. How much more comforting? How much more healing is it to know that God, God, the God and Lord of the universe is present with you in your pain. Did you know more people this year, particularly the most vulnerable population, are spending Christmas alone? More people this year are sad and wondering whether or not God still cares. Christmas is the assurance that God still cares. It's the assurance that God is present with you and he has not left you and that he loves you and he's present with you. And my prayer for all of us is that his presence this Christmas would be more real than ever before. Lastly and very briefly, who is Jesus, the King, the Christ, and the Lord? Who is he for? Look at verse 11 again. Look at who receives this announcement. Who receives it first? Unto you a child is given. The context there, who's the you? The shepherds. The scandalous. Mary and Joseph were considered peasants. They were in a very low social class. Well, the shepherds were below them. With the exception of the lepers, the shepherds were considered the lowest social class in all of Israel. Because of their jobs, the religious elite would not let them go into the temple to worship because they were considered unclean. They couldn't give a testimony in court. They were the lowest of the low. And look at the verse. Look at verse 11. God says to the angels, hey, go tell them, the shepherds, go tell them first that Jesus is coming. And through this child, I will save the world. Duke Kwan, as a pastor, pointed out an incredible quote. We've got Christmas all backwards, he says. Contrary to our typical ways of celebrating the holiday, Christmas was never meant to be the exclusive possession of the merry with smiles, of the holiday party insider with their social networks, or the religious elite, or the sufficiently resourced, or the perfect, nostalgic, iconic family 
with matching sweaters and pajamas. But like we see with the delivery of the birth announcement, according to the original story, Christmas grace is for the social outcast, like the shepherds. Christmas grace is for the religious inquirer, for the ethnic outsider like the magi, for the heartbroken and confused like Joseph, for the poor and powerless like Mary, and for the sad and unfulfilled like Simeon, and the unmarried and childless and widowed like Anna. That's who Christmas is for. And this baby named Jesus who changes everything has come, you see, for the least and the last and the lowly and those who are lamenting and those who are lacking and longing. The child, the story of this child, the God-man named Jesus who changes everything reveals to us and it's good news that you cannot be too broken for Jesus. You cannot be too low or weak to be changed by Jesus, but you can be too proud. You can be too big. Because you see, the scriptures say God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so where are you tonight? Wherever you find yourself, whether you're here This evening and you don't believe in Jesus and you need to trust in him for the very first time. Or whether you've been coming to services like this your entire life. Will you, wherever you are, humbly come to Jesus and admit your need for him? You see, the angel says to all of us tonight, behold, look. There's one born in a manger. To you, a Savior is born. And he's the Savior that you need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of year. Would you help us? Again, some of us have been coming to these things for a long time. These services. And would you freshen up the Christmas story in our hearts? Help us to ponder what we've heard about this evening wherever we find ourselves whether we're full of faith or doubting would you make Jesus more real to our hearts it's in his name we pray amen